This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360-degree sound, so you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome to Talking Ahead. This is Derek C. Paul, my co-host, my partner in crime, Jared Timms, for another episode of the show. Today we're going to cover all kinds of goodies, everything ranging from the team's protective finish to the new roster changes and analytics. But first things first, Jared, how you doing, man? Doing good. You know, uh, I mean, I don't think we've talked since Tom Brady has been eliminated from the playoffs. It's, it's an unfortunate situation. You know, I feel like the world is you know slowly coming to an end but uh we push on um aaron Rodgers plays today my second favorite quarterback so we can continue with that aaron Rodgers, tom brady i mean i'm just gonna label you a front runner man you're just a front you're a front runner for football come on seriously I, I all like these good, local teams at home I like good backs in football like i love what i love what lamar jackson did this year i think it's fantastic you know i think i mean i don't know maybe it's something that has to do with uh, like the throwing side of the game you know has the most things to do with baseball i guess um you know but i but i i love a good quarterback i'm a sucker for a good quarterback and you know so lamar 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 jackson was uh was the man this year unfortunately we didn't see it all all through the playoffs like we uh probably should have but uh but yeah you know like i said I'm, i'm a sucker for a for a good quarterback well lamar jackson did some really unheard of things this year though so i mean and the work he put in in the offseason to become that quarterback was amazing so it's just a great story overall and i'm, I'm laughing at people who are saying now look he's been exposed he's been overrated no the baltimore offense got, got exposed what happened if we found they're an offense that cannot come back from behind and they get ahead of people and they burn you down so that's that's just how it's going to be but we are not a football podcast even though we are sports fans general we're here to talk some angels baseball we get lots of angels baseball to really break down with you first things first how are you feeling right now as the roster settling and there's only a couple couple little things we're going to see change here how do you feel about the angels team now no i it's it's hard to say you know i'm not i'm not happy about it i know you know some fans of the show may not be happy you know with this but uh but this team, I mean, is it such such a far push to say this might be one of the most improved teams in baseball next year? When you, when you look at, you know, one through nine, you look at, you know, who, I mean, almost a completely different 
different roster, different lineup that they're going to be putting out there next year. And it, it's um, it's a lot of fun. I still think they're you know um, one another starting pitcher away from being a really you know a real real contender. But I I do think they're a contender right now. You know I, I think that they can make a push for a, a wild card and um, wait and see what happens with the Astros sanctions. And hey, you never know they might be pushing an AOS spot if you know everything adds up correctly. So. Well, we're going to look a little deeper in the show about where this team really is. I'm nervous a little bit about the the pitching situation, so I'm not happy with that. Like you mentioned, a lot of folks are wondering why you're so positive. I, mean, I, I have not seen any person covering the Angels get hammered online as much as you get hammered. I'm serious. You and Jeff Fletcher just take all kinds of garbage, and I'm wondering why that is. Why do you think it is that you are seen as like – completely off base here uh i mean we can throw trent rush into the mix too um i I don't i don't know you know it's just it's something that you know i i'm not a i don't there's i don't don't see a real need to be negative about stuff i mean this team has been in a rebuild mode for the last couple years and i know city of anaheim's not used to losing like this and you know we have the ducks on the other side who are not winning either and it may be a frustrating time and you know the rams didn't have a good season and you know all that stuff you know all, all that stuff aside though you know they they made they made a lot of improvements you know it might not have been the players that they wanted um that's that some people wanted but you know you you got the th- basically this you know depending on who you're talking to one of the uh, a top three free agent this year um you, you got guys who are going to throw you innings um and you know you you're getting Shohei Otani back as well so you know I I don't know why people are um you know so upset with being positive but hey you know somebody's got to do it someone's got to do it yes now comes the fan perspective because John just arrived John Crane welcome back man John how you doing Pretty good, man. I don't know. I just got the last couple words of Jared. And you know, this Angels are really screwed up this offseason, man. I'm really <laughs> negative. I'm going to bring some negativity to the show. <laughs> no, I, I had just asked him why people come at him so hard because he takes a more of a positive point of view of how this team's looking. I mean, him, Jeff Fletcher, and he's, he may even point out Trent Rush, take a lot of heat. What is your perspective, John, on how the Angels have done this offseason? It's not done yet. It, it could be a trade any day now. We know that. But what is your view on both the fan perspective of how these guys are and what the real truth is about the team? I think, again, I, I, I'm going to repeat myself. A lot of things I said last last time we talked. I, I mean, tell me an area where we haven't improved. I understand we didn't get some of the big pitching that we were looking for. But, again, I also understand, can anybody tell me that they would be comfortable signing the contracts that those people we didn't get signed? Or, or, I mean, I'm comfortable with not paying Garrett Cole that much money, uh, monopolizing that much of our roster um, in a pitching position, in a perilous position where he could, you know, anything could happen. Um of course, you know we never know what's going to happen. So I, again, I guess I'm being negative. I guess I'm being too positive. If I understand maybe what was going, what they were talking Jared about, um, but I don't see, I don't really see an area where we didn't try, where we didn't the Ryu. I guess we didn't really try. I guess with Ryu, but seeing the contract he signed, I don't really have an issue with 
with not offering Ryu that kind of money with that kind of length. Um, so, because there's a lot of lot of lengthy contracts signed for a lot of money this off season, and Garrett Cole set that standard. Um, I think anytime you get uh, MVP candidate uh, Anthony Rendon to back up uh, Mike Trout, I think you've had a an extremely successful off season. And what I find funny too is all these all these um, uh, negative uh, naysayers, whatever kind of seemed to have blown over the fact that because uh, uh, Joe Madden was our savior. This was it. We were going back to the playoffs, and we hadn't signed anybody yet, and they were already declaring Joe Madden our, our, our savior. We do have Joe Madden. He is going to be a savior. I mean, yeah, he's going to be an improvement. So, I mean, we've improved in management. We've improved in offense. We have improved in defense I and mean, in pitching. And even if it's just giving us some solid innings to give the, our, our solid bullpen – a break. I think this season, I mean, no, I'm not going to give it an A, but I certainly would give it a strong B. I think it really depends on how the rest of the offseason takes out for the ALS opponents, for the rest of the American League, for that matter. If the Angels don't make any other moves, I think, I do think it's a little bit of a disappointment because of the fact that they desperately need that pitcher. They, they are making ground on all these different teams in the American League. Every person I've talked to thus far while recording the tour around the league has talked about one way or the other how the Angels are better this year, how they're more improved, how they're going to compete in there. But they're still not where they hope to be or should be if they want to compete for a title. You know, a team that would be around the hovering for competing for the wild spot, wild card spot. What will it take for the Angels to take that next leap is that pitching. And as much as I like to say, this is where probably Billy Upper gets a little bit of criticism because I am happy with the progress he made with the farm system over the course of years, but it still has weaknesses. So you only have certain deals you can make. You only have certain moves you can go for, you can take. And while that is the case, the Angels have to be cautious in in who they make a move for. But we're going to break down the moves they have made. But before we do, we want to let you know that we are thankful you're listening. We are thankful that you have chosen us to be one of your your places to come check out Angel stuff. And if you like what we're doing, please go over to iTunes, which is now Apple Music. Subscribe. We also now have a contest going to get to that 100 five-star review on Apple Music. So what you do is you head over to Apple Music. You write in a review. Leave a written review. Five stars. Okay? And email us a screenshot of your review to talkinghalos at gmail.com. And guess what? That enters you in to get opening day tickets. That's right. Opening day tickets. We did get them for... The Astros, that's right. Not bad. Not too shabby. Want to go? The Astros, Astros, Angels. All right. Opening day, we got them. You can win them. You're entered. All right. Oh, we'll read your feedback on the air. So we have some feedback to read. Next podcast out from Budge came in, and we'll read those on the air. And also, if you're a new listener and you're enjoying the show, please do us a favor and share us out. Text a fellow Angels fan at the ballpark. You know. Tell who's next to you. We really appreciate all your help. It means the world to us. And now we can look at these roster changes. Okay, so the roster got settled this week, guys. We started seeing some moves with arbitration. 
So, John, okay. you have the numbers here. So, tell us what okay. they are. Okay, Dylan Bundy, five million. Pitcher Andrew Heaney, four point three million. Hansel Robles, three point eight five million. Uh, Tommy Listella, three point two five million. Noe Ramirez, nine hundred thousand. Ken Kenyon Middleton, eight hundred thousand. And also came to terms with Cambridgeosian, two point eight million. And Matt Stassi, eight hundred thousand. Okay, so. Now that leaves a payroll for the entire team in well underneath still the luxury tax threshold. So they're still in good shape. There's one name there that did not sign yet, and that is Brian Goodwin, who filed for a $2.2 million salary this year. Angels offered $1.85. I have to think this gets done, though, right, guys? I mean, Jared, this gets done. Yeah, I mean, they're not that far off. I I don't even like I, I know there's like parts and pieces that you know a, a lot of us don't understand. I, I'm pretty sure they don't really or they probably won't even go to arbitration. I feel like they're they'll settle still. Um but yeah, I mean I think it was like the lowest out of anybody going to arbitration between the two of them. So yeah, you know it, it'll, it'll be uh, it'll be kind of interesting. Uh, yeah, obviously there's something I don't understand. I don't know why you don't just pay him 2.2 million just for last season alone. But Again, there are things maybe out of my out of my depth. I honestly wonder the same thing, John. So you're not okay. that far your depth when you're that close. And what he gave the team last year, your plans from at least to start the year, just paying the two point two. It's not that big of a difference at this point. I don't know if it's just something to do with precedent or whatever it is. Just paying the two point two. He's our starting right. He's our starting right fielder next for the year. moment. <laughs> for the moment. Yeah, I know. I mean, for, Jared, get some insight there. Uh, no, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the, like this whole arbitration side of things. It's kind of, in in a sense, it's stupid. Um, and I feel like it's going to end up being reconstructed under a new, you know, under the new agreement whenever that comes into place. But, um, but yeah, you know, in, in a sense, why not just it's three hundred thousand dollars, three hundred fifty thousand dollars between. The two of them just pay him the extra three hundred and fifty thousand. I mean, I say that I, you can say that about almost anybody. I mean, Josh Hader's gonna get way underpaid. Um, JT Real Mudo is gonna have to go to arbitration over two million dollars, which is just like pennies on the dollars for most uh, most le- most uh, teams. So I mean, just just pay the pay the guys what they what they ask basically. And I mean, not if it's gonna be crazy amounts, but I mean these little bits of amounts are just Kind of, kind of stupid. Now, in fairness, it's easy for us to say little bits. It's not our money, but in the same token, yeah. they're not that far apart in the grand scheme of things. And I thought he did a wonderful job coming in to a difficult situation, being waived from Kansas City. The Angels pick him up. He comes in there and had. I know his average was, was two sixty two, but for much of the year he was hovering close to three hundred, and had several clutch hits in that time frame. A big part of this team when it was competing throughout much of the year. I just don't see why you don't pay the guy the money. I mean, it's it's not that big a difference. Just paying the money is not worth us even having to have that conversation. <laughs> just pay the money. <laughs> Especially after he kind of made himself a fan favorite last year. Well, and he and- did for the same reasons we just mentioned, right? All the things he did for a team that was that needed somebody. 
Yeah, I think it just it's not a good look for the I don't think it's a good look for the Angels, especially when they're, uh, you know, everybody has these opinions of them. They don't want to spend money and they do go spend some big money and then they argue over a few hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I don't think it'll look that bad. Well, they'll be forgotten by midseason. But in the moment right now, you're like, um, just pay them the money. Seriously, just pay them the money. But I think it'll be forgotten by July. He might not forget it if he wants to sign long term, though, or if they want him long term. Yeah, that's more my point. Yeah. All right, Jared. I have some questions for you though, because you know we. I'm older. John's really older. I mean, borderline. You know, desiccated at this point, and we're the old school fans. We're used to the batting average. On base percentage, slugging percentage for pitching, ERA, WHIP is one that's relatively new, but still not what the new new is. Can you go through with us the new school analytics stats? What I mean by that, we got a question from a from a, a listener who wanted more of an understanding of why these stats are important, like what is the big deal about analytics. Can you break this down for us? Yeah. Um, for me, the way that I think about it um, is analytics is just part of it. Um, so analytics is more of an advanced, I wouldn't say an advanced thinking, but in a sense it kind of is um, way of looking at baseball and how it's played today. Um, you, baseball is based on a lot of numbers, of course. I mean, we talk about stats a lot and we, that, that's what we do. Um, and you have technology that can, in a sense, you know, can definitely help you, um, win ball games. And we, we've seen, we see that a lot. Um, but the analytical side of things is more of, you know, the chance it's going to have something will, the chance that, you know, let's say Hansel Robles has of getting out, you know, the three, four, five hitters and, you know, what the chances of the rest of the, the, your bullpen has of getting that those guys out. And, you know, more than likely you're going to end up putting those guys in, whether you like or whether you have the righty-righty matchup, righty-lefty matchups, in, in a sense that, you know, just doesn't matter. Um, and that's that's kind of where, I mean, kind of, I'll kind of go off, take a little right turn here. And, you know, that's that's why a lot of people don't really use, you know, the term closer anymore because you want your best pitcher facing, you know, those, the two, three, four, you know, three, four, five guys. And if they come up in the eighth inning, why wouldn't you have, you know, your best pitcher for like the, for the Angels, Hansel Robles or Ty Butcher at the beginning of the year, um, face those guys in the eighth inning instead of having them come in, in the ninth inning. Um Though, when you look at you know what the Angels brought in this year with Joe Madden, I really like his thinking of the game, and I've actually kind of been thinking about this way as well. With I mean, with I coach college and all that stuff, and my first year we didn't bunt at all. We went away from bunting. We didn't practice bunting, and there are so many situations that it was like, dang, it would have been nice to get a bunt down right here, but we just don't have anybody that can really bunt. And then last year, all we really did was bunt. We bunted three, four, five times a game. And, you know, 
a bunt is technically supposed to take away an out. You know, you, you, you get 27, them, 27 of them during a game. So the analytical or advanced thinking of it is don't, you know, waste an out like that by getting a runner from first to second. Um, or same thing, why risk stealing when that could be one of your 27 outs used. So it's the analytics part of it is just kind of an advanced thinking of the game. It's kind of the era that we're in right now. The analytical era, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. But it's just, you know, the, everything is based on numbers. You know, the, the baseball operations side of thing is just crunching numbers up there and, you know, situations that could happen during a game. And, you know, it's all in a, I guess, in a sense, in a big book. And, you know, the game is kind of played before it's even played um with all of this which is kind of kind of cool but in a way you know you still have the human error side of things and that's why you know with the angels bringing joe madden and what he preached was you know i i like the analytical side of stuff but there you got to find a happy median and um you know I, I i totally agree with that thinking you know you can't completely go away from old school part of the game because there is human error um but you also can't you know you, you have the you have the technology why not use it? So there's, I mean, we're just, we're kind of in the analytical era of baseball, I guess, in a sense. All right. So give us your top five important analytic stats. Um, on the hitting side, I don't know if on base percentage is a huge thing, but you, I personally like to look at on base percentage over batting average. Um, WRC plus uh, weighted runs created plus um, is a big stat for me. Um, strikeout percentage, you know, I mean, that, that stuff's kind of been around for a while, so it's nothing, you know, crazy new. Uh, war is a new stat, which is, you know, a, a really cool stat to use. Um, and then on the pitching side of things, you have, you know... Whoa, 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 whoa. Jared, hold on. Back up, yes, back, okay. up. back up. Back up. Explain some of these things. Because you're because this is why exactly. listeners ask the question, because you know them, you're running through them, and the average listener's going to be like, well, what's WR? What do you say? So yes. go back up. Break down. What, okay, what's war for fans? What is war? War is, war is how a player is valued. Um, you start, you know, everybody starts their season at a zero war, which, you know, it makes sense, you know, and you go up and down from there. So you look at a guy like, I mean, it's easy to say Mike Trout was an eight-win player last year. He had, and he was... You know, an eight eight wins better than your replacement level player, which is at zero. Replacement level is being, um, you know, your guy that you just brought up from the minor leagues. You know, he's going to play average baseball. You know, nothing more, nothing less. Um, and then you you look at a guy like Albert Pujols or Justin Bohr. You know, quite frankly, a couple of guys on the Angels who were there last year had negative wars and were not worth you know what not worth a league average player on the field last year so it would have been made more sense to bring somebody up and have them play over them um or get rid of them in a sense like they did with a couple of them um so war is basically how a player is valued by his team it it puts in all of these stats whether it's pitching or whether it's hitting, combines it together, and in a sense spits out, you know, your war, and you move up and down on 
in war from that. There are different types of war, though, and different ways they are um, put in. So you have Fangraph's war, which I personally like to use because it puts in uh, defense a little bit more. It puts in, um, you know, it, it takes into hitting a little bit more. Um, you have baseball reference war. You have, um, I think, baseball prospectus has a war. I think ESPN now has a war. So I mean, there's 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 a lot of different types of wars, and there's different you know ways people look at them. But at the end of the day, it's it's just how a player is valued. Jared, it's, let me ask you a question. Yes. This is what confuses me. So I see a lot of comparisons. Obviously, I see you. I see you quoting a lot about war. I've learned more than you, more from you than I learned from Brad Pitt in Moneyball, which is where I first got my. He does a great. He does he does a decent job of it. It gets explained in the movie very well. Uh, correct. Uh, yes, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure they explain. You know how a player is valued. Yeah. Uh, Joe Hill might do it a little bit. So yeah. Yeah, uh, but th- my question to you is like when you see Trout compared to some of the greats, you know Stan Musial, whatever they they compare him. Is that a and they're saying a career? So are, are they talking about a career war for Trout? Are they talking about a one time season? Because Trout seems to climb in war. He like he passed so and so in war this year. He passed so and so. Is this a cumulative thing or does it reset every season? Yes, no, it's it's accumulative. So I think if I'm not mistaken, Trout's at a 73.4 WAR in you know his first what has he played eight seasons, nine seasons so far? I think. Uh-huh. So yes, it's an accumulative WAR, and he's been passing Hall of Famers for the past two years, which is crazy to think that. In that short amount of time, he's yeah. passing these these guys that played 15, 18, whatever, 20 years. Yeah. So that's what whenever they reflect that and they say he passed whatever. Yeah. Hank Aaron or somebody. I'm just I'm just throwing out names. I don't know. Carl Yastrzemski. That that means that he's already passed them at this point in his career. What they did in their entire career. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Trout and Jeter basically have the exact same war at this point. I mean, like Jeter in his whole career had like a 75 or something like that. And Trout right now is at a 73.4. Um, Fangraphs war and it, it varies from you know site to site, but he's about at a seventy three war, and Jeter was at a seventy five ish war um, in his whole twenty year career during regular season. It doesn't account for postseason or anything like that, but regular season war, yeah. So Trout is unbelievable when you when you look at like and it, somebody will bring it up before the season starts. It's like oh, if, Trout, if Trout has a nine war this year, he'll pass. You know, so and so, so and so, so and so. I mean, you'll see it. And I mean, as he passes players during the year, you'll you'll see people bring it up. So, I, but yes, I mean, when you look at Trout, he is you know the 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 role model of war right now, and it's it's incredible to see what he's doing. So when you say seventy four, whatever it was, that means for his career, when he played, they won seventy more ga- seventy four more games than they would have had he had been replaced by in- average Joe. Uh, yeah, from the average Joe player. Yeah, if that's the way you want to look at it, yes. Uh, he, he's brought that many more game wins, which is a lot when you think about it. I mean, the best war in ever is uh, Babe Ruth. I think he was uh, off the top of my head, 150 maybe. So, yeah, you know, he, it's, it's, it's crazy to think that. Now, again, war means wins above replacement, right? 
Yes, wins above replacement. Okay, so what other important stats are there are out there for hitters that are analytics based? Well, you can look at uh, runs created um, and weighted runs created. You'll see more people use the weighted runs created plus, which is WRC plus, um, just because it's based on an average. So your average, you know, replacement level player will have a 100 in your weighted runs created plus category. Um, you, again, move up and down from there if you are a less than average hitter because this brings in your runs created plus is just basically how good of a you know a complete hitter you are you know it it takes into you know your ballpark effect takes into you know everything so and also when i mean ballpark effect nolan arenado is a fantastic hitter great hitter and he you know will put up anywhere between a 130 and a 150 WRC plus during the season, but it's not higher because of the ballpark he plays in because the ball flies out at Coors, you know? So that's why, you know, Nolan Arenado hasn't won as many MVPs as people should, people think he should. And his numbers are fantastic and nothing against Nolan Arenado, but the ballpark, you know, factor really comes into play there. Unfortunately, um, or, or you look at a guy like Mike Trout who puts up the numbers that he puts in a ballpark like Angel Stadium, which is in a below average hitters park. And it's, you know, a, again, crazy to think that. I mean, what Mike Trout would put up in Coors Field, I mean, 80 home runs, maybe it, it, it's crazy to think that. But but yeah, WRC plus is just basically how good of a hitter you are um, altogether on a scale of. You know, starting at 100, and if you go below it, um, so Max Stassi last year was like a, I don't know what he, what was he like a 15 WRC plus, so he was 85 percent lower than your average hitter. Um, or you look at Mike Trout, who I think had a 170, and Mike Trout was a 75 percent better hitter than your league average player. What about pitching? What are the top three or four? stats for pitching um you'll see a lot of people look at fip which is fielding independent pitching um and that you in a sense kind of want to compare to era um you know because in era you know an average to solid era is nowadays is (laughs) what like a four era right so um you kind of want to compare fip to ERA, um, and FIP is just kind of how lucky you are. Um, it's if you had, you know, just good fielders behind you, and that would make all the plays. Whereas ERA doesn't really bring into um, effect, you know, your fielding behind you. It's just how many runs you give up. Um, so the way that I like to look at it is you somebody's pitching and he gives up a single um, strike somebody out. And then the shortstop makes an error on a play that was a routine double play. Um, And your ERA goes away at that point. If you give up any runs after that, but with FIP, it kind of continues in a sense. So the next batter up hits a home run and that doesn't count on your ERA at all. 
because technically those runs wouldn't have counted. But with FIP, because you gave up the home run, you still gave up the home run. You know, why are you taking that away? I mean, you should have made a better pitch than give up the home run. I mean, you can blame your shortstop all you want, but you're the one that gave up that home run. So that kind of brings into that in a sense. So, yeah. So does does FIP count everybody on base or does it just count the home run? It'll count everybody on base still. So it's still really, it's still very similar to your ERA. Um, It just takes into more effect how your defense plays and how lucky of a pitcher you are. So if you're, if you, you look at someone's ERA and they have a three ERA, but their FIP is a five, they were a really lucky pitcher. Um, Or, you know, in a sense, if they vice versa, they have a five ERA, but their FIP is down in the threes or twos. They were a really unlucky pitcher, and you know they. It just wasn't you know, it was it was an unfortunate year for them. Um, the the best the best one to look at was Jose Quintana. Um, when he played with the White Sox, he was like a he. I mean, he had like a he was like ten and fifteen or something like that, or. I think I'm just I'm throwing out random numbers now. He was he was like a league average win or loss pitcher, you know, eleven and eleven. But and his ERA was in the mid fours, but his FIP was like a three. Yeah, so that's why everybody valued him so high. You know, there's still something there. Just the White Sox didn't help him out very much. Um, and the same can go for Matthew Boyd. I mean, Boyd's kind of a different case. He doesn't have a great FIP. Um, he's more on the strikeout side and the, you know, future presence of not being on the worst team in baseball type of thing. Um, but yeah, you know, most of the time you see Matthew Boyd's FIP is a little bit better than his ERA would be, and everybody tends to kind of look at ERA. All right. So, are there any other numbers out there you think fans should know about, especially when it comes to the analytics side? Uh, I'd love to bring up spin rate um, just because I've learned so much about the pitching side of stuff within the last six months. It's, it's incredible. Um, spin rate is an easy stat to get out of, get yourself out of like any argument. So you look at a guy like Luke Bard and wonder why the angels have kept him around so much because he's been such a bad pitcher and you look at, Oh, his spin rate's super high, but he's been really bad. So spin rate doesn't mean anything. There's just so much more that goes into spin rate and pitching than just that one stat. It's just an easy stat to hand out there. Um, so, I mean, you look at a guy who's pitching, and there's science that goes into it. Every single time you throw a ball, gravity brings your ball down. Um, when you spin a ball faster, like Luke Bard does, and you spin it in a four-seam, you know, just a normal fastball – and he spins it at 2,700 RPM, which is uh, insanely high. It's one of the highest in baseball. Um, that's going to keep your ball flying straighter and not getting pulled down by gravity as much. Uh, so in a sense, it makes it look like your ball is actually rising in a way when it really is dropping. And you know your ball will usually drop between uh, 12 inches and... 20 inches on a four seam fastball depending on who you are uh, depending on your spin rates your spin direction your spin efficiency um you know all, all of that 
fun stuff. And then the same goes for, you know, a curveball and a, and a slider. You know, the, the better you, you spin it, that doesn't necessarily mean the more movement you're going to get. It's how you spin the ball, you know. So you look at a guy like Trevor Cahill last year who spun his curveball um, higher. Was it curveball or slider? I think it was curveball. He spun his curveball better than anybody or a lot of people in baseball. And everybody was, you know, harping on him like, ah, Trevor Cahill's not that good. Who cares? He spins his fastball well. Well, there's so much more that goes into that. It, you know, he what if he spins his curveball you know, not at a great spin efficiency and it's not as tight and it's, you know, in a sense easier for a hitter to see that pitch. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's a lot of science that goes into it. It's not just, don't, don't just be like a oh, spin rate means nothing. Cause that's not true at all. I, 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 I will call you out. If I, if anybody says spin rate means nothing to me, I will call you out. And I have written paragraphs on paragraphs in my notes about what spin rate means and what i've learned about it so i mean if any you know anybody says that spin rate means absolutely nothing i'll i'll come back and i will you know don't 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 say it to me because this is what i've been working on for the past six months is how spin affects a ball you know pitch sequencing you know what you should throw after you throw your fastball up in the zone you know do you (laughs) if you throw your fastball and it spins completely backwards at a 12 o'clock um, at 12 o'clock, you should be able to throw your curveball at a 12-6 and, in a sense, you know, tunnel your pitches and make it look like your curveball is actually going to be a fastball, but at the end it drops out and you get more swings and misses with that. There's, there's just so much that goes into spin rate. Don't just, don't just look at spin rate and say, oh, Luke Bard is not a good pitcher. His stats haven't been there, so why should I look at spin rate? I mean, spin rate's a fantastic tool to have, but it's not – it just – there's so much more then there's so much more technology that we don't have behind spin rate that you know and I'm hoping that it comes out in the next couple years that we can see you know pitch by pitch what the how these guys balls are spinning and um how effectively they're spinning each of their pitches I mean it's just it, it's crazy with how much you know technology this game has now it's it's super cool and I'm sorry I I went way too deep into that right there and I'm sure that means nothing to anybody there. <laughs> well, I mean, I would think the few people who do interrupt, interact with you on Twitter know that you have kind of like this fascination with spin rate. So that's actually a good explanation from the hat because you take a lot of heat for spin rate, more than anybody else I know of. Yeah, yeah. and I, I honestly, I'll be the first, I, I'll say it now. I, I, didn't, I didn't understand spin rate until I really, you know, you, you really dig deep into it and it's, it's just everything factors off of how you spin the ball. So your movement on pitches, you know, whether your ball flies straighter or if you throw some sink in it, you know, I mean, if you throw your fastball at 2,500 2, RPM and then you throw, a, you throw a sinker with a different, you know, with a different feel on it, like you take a little pressure off of it and you cut your spin by 200 RPM and your ball's going to sink a little bit more. Uh, it's going to have the same spin on it, but it's going to sink an extra four or five inches on it and become a completely different pitch for you. So, I mean, there's 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 just so much more. And I, I didn't understand spin until I really, really started digging into it. And it's just, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And I, I don't have the science background, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not good on, I'm not great in math. You know, I was never, as a student, I was never great at math and I was never, 
I amazing in science and I didn't haven't taken science classes, but it just it's fascinating to, you know, kind of understand the spin behind everything and how you can spin a pitch and it move one way and cut spin on another pitch like you know a change up and have the same exact spin direction on those two pitches but the ball does completely different things because of gravity and science and all this fun stuff john any thoughts on all that <laughs> see this is the kind of stuff and and i was I, I listened to a couple podcasts before i started this podcast and now i listen to several podcasts um this is the kind of thing that I listened to I listened to Jared go over it, but but this is something I, I need to listen to again and again, probably a few times, to really grasp everything that he's saying. Because I truly want to understand. Like I said, I see his tweets, and now I I do understand those tweets. You know, when he said, "Oh, you know, Trout passed uh, Joe DiMaggio today," and and you know, I'm like, "What the heck does that mean?" But uh, so I, 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 I'm just fascinated by this stuff because I really do want to have a better understanding of that ever since Moneyball. Um, and uh, so, no, I, I, like I said, I'm going to have to listen to it a few more times to fully grasp everything he says. But I've definitely uh, gained, a, gained, a, gained a better understanding to help uh, Jared defend against his uh, multiple detractors. Multiple detractors. Oh, yeah. And hold on. Let me write down. Don't. Mention spin rate on Twitter. Okay. Okay. I, know, I wrote that down. <laughs> All right. So moving on, moving on. One more thing I want to discuss today with you guys, and we'll get out of here before we do. Folks, if you're looking for sponsors for the 2020 season, if you want to work with us, get some advertising on the show, reach out to us, talkinghalos at gmail.com. You can also leave a voicemail at 657-666-5453. More than happy to work with you. Okay. Jared. I'm going to go to you first. What is, looking at the Angels roster right now, what is a team's floor and ceiling for a record? And why? Uh, their floor, I think at this point, is a 500 team. You know, 82 wins, 83 wins, right around that. Um, their ceiling, oh man, I mean, if everything goes right, they could. I mean, they could really be a they could be a hundred win team if everything goes right, and that's 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 a that's the ceiling right there. I mean, but um, eighty. I mean, you find it find a happy median in between there, and I'd say as of right now, in eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, maybe pushing a ninety win team. You know, I don't, I don't I don't see any any reason behind that. You know, with all the improvements they've made, John. Wow, he makes me look optimistic because I was thinking I was thinking in the <coughs> excuse me low to mid nineties on uh, the ceiling, um, yeah, and definitely over five hundred. Uh, but uh, I think, uh, but uh, Jared's making me a little more optimistic. I was thinking like a ceiling of ninety five, which could very well get them <coughs> a wild card spot, which is I think was was our goal this year. So. All right, from my end, I'm going to roll with a floor. I'm going to roll with a floor of 80 wins and a ceiling of 92 wins. Get that picture? Everything changes. But for right now, that's where I'm at. 80 to 92. 80 is we get a bunch of injuries again, like last year, and 92 is where I think they are with the pitching they have. Anybody have any kind of different thoughts on that? Oh, pitcher's a game changer. Yeah. I still think they're going to get a pitcher. 
So do I. I'm just thinking they're trying to find the right pitcher. They're the right move, right? the right trade, the right. They, they only have so many options, right? I mean, they don't have every prospect out there to be able to move. So, yes, um, and I'd say expect somebody you least expect. Really? Hmm. Give us <laughs> examples here. Come on. Ah, uh, like I was talking to um, to Brock about it, and he brought up like. Kyle Hendricks. It's like oh, I didn't even think about that. Just, just think of like, just think outside the box uh, in a sense. Like, don't think of like the normal person. Like, they could very well go get Matthew Boyd, which is makes a whole lot of sense. But you know, they could go elsewhere. You know, David Price makes sense. Uh, obviously, you know, everybody's talked about him. But you know, you you just you never know who they're. They, they, you know, Billy's done this before. It's like ah, you know, if I would have looked it looked a little bit harder, then I would have you know, would have thought about that guy, you know, a little bit more. So, they, you know, just I would say expect the least expected, you know, do a little research before you just say, ah, oh, Matthew Boyd makes sense, you know. I mean, there's a lot of pitching out there and there's a lot of unexpected pitching out there. And that's why, you know, in a sense, we're the fans and the, you know, baseball ops guys are doing baseball operations things. So we just we just don't know at all what's going on. So, like I said, ex- expect the – Expect the least expected. Hey, Jared, if yeah. you had to forecast, what would be the biggest surprise in a trade that we would trade away of our prospects? The biggest surprise? Uh, Joe Adele. You, know, you, think, I, that's, you I, think that's that's on the table? If the right move comes along, yes. I mean, they said Clevenger at one point, and I don't know. I mean, it makes so much sense, and it, it's, a in a sense, a, a fairly fair trade to trade Joe Adele for – uh, Clevenger, but I don't, you know, if the right trade com- comes along and, you know, Billy can't say no to it, you know, I mean, if the Mets come in and say, oh, we'll give you Cindergaard and DeGrom for Adele, Marsh, and two other guys, I mean, would you say no to something like that? I mean, it's it's a, it's something to think about. It's not like, a, no, I'm not going to trade Joe Adele just because it's Joe Adele. It's like, well, heck, I might have to think about something like that, you know, so... Well, before you do that, you better come to terms with Goodwin. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and like, offer him a nice raise. <laughs> yes. All right, guys. That's all I got today. Folks, it is time for us to go. Before we go, please head over to Facebook or Twitter. On, on Facebook, you'll find our, find our group by just searching Talking Halos group, Talking Halos page. We also have Twitter at, at uh, Talking Halos, myself, Derek C. Paula, at DC Paula, and John at J Screen John. Finally, Jared Timms at Jared underscore Timms. We'll be back this week, midweek. I apologize that we did not get the tour in the league started this week. Had a little bit of emergency, and we took care of it, and we're back full course. This week, we'll be back with the tour in the league. Till next time, for the entire team, this is Derek C. Paul saying, we're out of here. We'll see you Wednesday. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. 
Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history still in the make? The NBA only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.